0: Hey, episode 146 of the Brown Vegan Podcast, the last episode of the year. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you're doing well. I am enjoying my morning, so thankful. Felt so refreshed when I woke up this morning. I'm always thankful for that. And, you know, I'm just sitting here with my bonnet on and my robe, much is like my favorite way to record the show. It's just so chill. And I just wanna just chat with y'all. I got my French country vanilla candle going And I got a cup of Earl Grey. So I just feel even more relaxed and excited to just share some tips on how to go vegan with a family and just, you know, some of my experience with that. So yeah, man, I can't believe this is like the last episode of the year. I feel like the year went really fast, especially since 2020 felt like it was three years in one. (laughs) It felt like it just dragged on. So I'm just really looking forward to just, you know, bringing you more, episodes in the new year and just, you know, sharing and having a good time as always. So I just thank you so much for rocking with me this whole time. I really, really appreciate it. Like I said, I want to talk about some ways to, you know, transition to a vegan lifestyle with a family. I just noticed lately I've been getting a lot of questions about that, which is surprising because I really don't feel like I talk about the family Aspect about of this as much as I used to. I mean, maybe I do and don't realize it, but I know when I first started my brand, it was focused a lot on the family because you know my children were very young at that time. The ages were about eight, seven, and five-ish around that time when I went vegan. So I would share recipes and tips from a family perspective because I remember when I started, I didn't feel like there was a lot of information out there from the family. It was just a lot of single people being vegan. And so it to me, it was like so important, especially on YouTube, to share a lot of that because, you know, I knew I wasn't the only one out there trying to do this with a family. So I would always share the good, bad and the ugly. And that's what I'm going to do in this episode for you today. So if you don't know, I went vegan back in 2010. I did it for... To protest factory farming. That's the main reason why I did it for animals. I just didn't think it was necessary for us to consume animal products or animals at all. And that's why I decided to do it back in those days. These days, it's more so for health because, you know, I'm getting to be an older woman and I do want to be able to, you know, not have a lot of the lifestyle diseases that, you know, is so prevalent in our country. And I just want to be able to enjoy my life, you know, and so I just really want to be mindful about that. And it definitely is to protest after. It definitely is about animal cruelty and environmental reasons. But a lot of it these days is a focus on health and human human rights as well is really why I want to be vegan these days. So when I started my journey. In 2010, I had actually was a vegetarian for 2 years before that. And at that time, it did not affect my family life at all because what I would do is I would make, you know, maybe I made like fish sticks and mashed potatoes and green beans or something like that for dinner like and I just wouldn't eat the fish and my family would eat everything or I would make like a veggie burger or something. I would just mainly eat all of the sides. So when I was a vegetarian, it didn't affect anybody in the household because, I mean, (laughs) why would it? Because, you know, they were still eating the same. I was the only one that was eating different. And by the time I became a vegan, I was just kind of like, I really don't want to make two separate meals. And I also did not want to cook meat anymore. Like that was something I was against. I was like, I'm not cooking meat anymore. And so I just really had to figure out a way to make this work For us, like in my mind at the time, it didn't feel like I was forcing everybody to be vegan, even though I did want everybody to be vegan. It didn't feel like I was necessarily forcing everybody to be vegan. It felt like more so that, you know, I'm just going to make one meal. That's what it felt like. I'm going to make one meal. If you eat it, you eat it. You don't. You don't type of attitude. And, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, I guess it was forcing them because they really didn't have a choice, especially because my kids, of course, they were young. But I didn't really feel like I was hurting anybody because if anything, they were eating way better than they would have been if they were eating, you know, continuing to eat the standard American diet. So I would just experiment a lot. And the thing about being vegan is or deciding to become vegan is that you think that you do a lot of cooking before you go vegan. And then when you go vegan, you'd be like, oh, no, (laughs) I'm really cooking, cooking now. Like you are really in the kitchen because in my opinion, the way that you keep the cost down, because a lot of times people say, oh, being vegan is expensive. And it can be, right? There's parts of this that can be expensive, especially if you buy a lot of the the packaged meals and things like that. You have to actually cook in order to make sure that this is something that is not too expensive for you. So I just remember feeling a little overwhelmed by that. Like, oh my goodness, I have to like literally cook every meal. <laughs> instead of like kind of getting something out of a box or, you know, a container or a can. You can still do that, of course, as a vegan. But like I said, it's a little more expensive when you do it that way. And so I just remember finding like recipes online and just like really trying to get into the kitchen and figure out how to put things together. And let me tell you, a lot of that was a hot ass mess. Like I... (laughs) Man, I just I remember even making tofu, which I absolutely love now, but I did not like it first. And I would literally take like a block of tofu out of the package and it would be wet and And hadn't been pressed or anything. And I would try to fry it. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing like at all, like had no idea. And I just felt like I couldn't find recipes that were family friendly and simple, you know. And so I just remember being very, very overwhelmed by all of that when I started my journey you know, it's kind of like, like I said, I was used to kind of, you know, making some fish or a hamburger helper and things like that. And, you know, I'm cooking, right? (laughs) That's, that's me putting a meal together. But when you go vegan, it's just, it's just levels to this. And it did take some time to get that. And I think that because I was very insecure about cooking in the beginning, that did not make the situation easier for my family because they were just kind of like, When is this experiment going to be over? When is this science project going to be over? (laughs) Because they were so over the fact that, you know, I would make something for them and it would literally be... It would not be anything worth eating. I remember my middle son, Elijah, who is my picky eater. He would be like, oh, yeah, slop for dinner. We're having slop again. You know that it was that bad, y'all. Like to the point where I was just like, what am I going to do? But I was so convicted. This is something that I really, really thought was important for our family. You know, I really wanted everybody to be on the same page. And man, it was, it was struggle. It was struggle city. (laughs) It was struggle city. Another thing too, is like, because I had the three different personalities with food that kind of made it complicated as well. So my oldest son, like I said, at that time he was about eight years old, you know, he was used to McDonald's and fast food. He was used to fast food and eating whatever, and not really being mindful of things. He was so used to that, right? And so that was an adjustment because of course he didn't want to eat vegetables and wraps and things like that because he was just kind of like, where is the the corn dogs? Like, what is this? You know what I mean? And my middle son Elijah, Jay is my oldest, and Elijah is my middle and he was like I said, my picky eater, you know. I remember he used to say, "Don't even put the vegetables on my plate cuz I'm not going to eat them." Like, you know, don't waste your time kind of thing. Like He was that bad. And Brandon, my youngest, he, because he was about five, he wasn't as bad about it. And that's the thing. Like, if you can go ahead and start this as young as you, as your kids are, the easier you, the younger you start, the easier it will be for them. So that's a tip that I have for you. Like, if you have children, especially like toddlers and stuff like that right now, definitely start incorporating some of the tips that I'm going to go over with your toddler because it's so much easier the younger your children are when they get older it's a whole nother situation because they're just like so accustomed to eating you know the standard american diet not saying that the change can't happen because it can but just know you know be realistic about it the expectation is this going to be a little different because they're older so anywho i forgot my point (laughs) I was about to make a point. I guess that was my point. But yeah, having all those different personalities was a lot. I guess the point is all those different personalities does make a difference. So just having realistic expectations going into this is so important. I also think that having like open conversations with your kids and your spouse about why you want to do this is really important as well. Because a lot of times, I think in the beginning, I just kind of did it and I didn't really talk about it. And I think that because of that, it felt like I was forcing it on them more so than it probably would have been if I just had more open conversations. And so that's what I would do then after I realized that it was some resistance, I would talk about why we should do it. And I did it in a way that was like geared to how it would benefit them instead of talking more like about myself. I think that was important as well. We would watch documentaries. There was also like A few books that were out. I'm gonna link them in. There There were also some a few children's books that were out during that time. I'm sure there's a million of them now, but back then it was only like a few authors that were doing children books. Children's books that were geared towards vegan kids. And so I would I purchased several of those books. I'll link them because I don't remember them offhand, but I'll go look it up and I'll link them in the show notes for you. But that was really helpful as well. Just having that type of thing, having that help. These days, I know that Tab Tabitha Brown has a show on YouTube and it talks a lot about veganism, but it's not in your face, but she talks about food and plants and things like that. And I think that that's really important. So if you have... Your kids, definitely check out her show. I'll make sure I link that too so y'all can check that out. It's a really good series that she has on YouTube that would be really helpful. But yeah, just like having those open conversations really made a difference. And I also, having those conversations with your spouse is really important as well. Like one of the things that I did with my ex-husband is I said, if it's something, if I make a dish and you don't like the food, do not say it in front of the kids because they already don't want to do this. <laughs> Tell me in private, okay? Just, you know, give me that look so I know that you don't like it. And then we don't have to worry about like putting it out there in front of the kids because they will be, you know how kids are. They got that ammo. They're like, okay dad don't like it. I'm not eating it either. You know, (laughs) that type of thing. So that's another thing that really helped. Another thing that I would do is make sure that I test out recipes on a day that I had leftovers to fall back on. That was really, really helpful. So for instance, I always use spaghetti or tacos as an example for everything because I mean... They're so easy and cheap, right? (laughs) Most of the time. So what I would do is say, for instance, I knew we had a soup or spaghetti or something in the fridge, right? And... I want to try a recipe or an ingredient that I had never tried before, I would go ahead and cook that meal. And if it was a fail, I knew that we had spaghetti or soup or whatever in the fridge to fall back on. So that way it actually helped me be more open to experimenting. And it it also made sure that they had something to eat if a recipe was a fail, because I'm telling you a lot of the recipes that I would try were a fail. (laughs) So having that backup plan really made a difference when we were starting on this journey. Also, speaking of a fail of a recipe, even when a recipe wasn't a fail, sometimes people just didn't really like it. And what I would do is I would wait like a few weeks or a month and I would make it again because it does take some time for your taste buds to adjust to eating this way. So if I felt like maybe they just needed to try it again and they would like it, then that's what I would do because you know, it takes time. It's just like, sometimes you just have to have more exposure to certain things that you've never had before. And that made a difference as well, testing that out. Another thing too that I did is I've always made sure that I added an extra vegetable to the dinner plate and I made sure that it was seasoned properly and not overcooked. I mean, when you think about it, a lot of people grow up not liking vegetables and a lot of times it's because it's overcooked or it's not seasoned properly. And so I would do that. And even though my son Elijah would be like, I don't need it on my plate, I will always say Still, make sure he had at least a tablespoon of vegetables on his plate, even if he didn't eat it. Because exposure is so, so, so key; it's so important. Like you have to keep doing it over and over for kids, especially if you have picky eaters. You have to do that in order for them to even try it. And sometimes I'll be like, "Just try one little piece." Sometimes he would, sometimes he wouldn't. But because he had that exposure and, and he knew it wasn't going away, he was more likely to try it when he's older. And of course, he loves fruits and vegetables now, but when he was younger, he did not. Another thing I did as far as the vegetables go, I would actually hide their vegetables in smoothies. My kids love smoothies when they were younger, and they still do. I would put like a cup of spinach or bok choy or whatever vegetable that I had inside of like a fruit smoothie. So it would be like bananas and strawberries and pears or whatever other fruit that I had. And I would mix it with some you know, almond milk or water and ice. And I would bring that together and it would be sweet, but it would be like a hint of vegetables in there as well. So they would get that in there. That was another way that I would make sure that they ate what they needed to get. It was also helpful too that I would get those fun cups that they had with the straw and the lid in them so they couldn't see the color because a lot of times with the green smoothies, of course they're green, right? A lot of times with the vegetable smoothies, they turn colors and they look kind of weird. So I would put it into a cup that they couldn't see through with a straw and a lid and it would be like a fun cup and it would be sweet so they didn't question it. So that was another thing that I would do too to kind of hide vegetables in their food And to get them to drink, you know, more smoothies and things like that when they were little. So something else that I did that I think that really, really made a difference in this journey for my family is I would have my kids grocery shop with me and pick out a produce that they never tried before. And we would go use Google and figure out how to cook it or how to cut it or eat it or whatever. And that made like a huge difference in allowing them to do that. One of the things that we love so much when my kids were little is young Thai coconuts. I would open them up. We would drink, drink the water out of it. And then we would use the meat and ice cream. They absolutely love that so much. We would make like homemade ice cream out of it. So that was something that was a lot of fun for them when they were little. And also cooking together was something that we did when they were smaller as well, because in my opinion, and just and it's just from experience, you, you're not going to reject something that you actually help cook, right? So even though my son, Elijah, my picky eater, he hated everything. When he would cook with me, he would actually at least try the food because he cooked it, you know? So that is really important as well. And then it's just a great way to spend time together. Another area that I struggle with a lot when we started this journey is school lunches, y'all. So I messed up so bad. What I would do when they first started is I got some of those, is it Bentago boxes or... Not No, I think Bento is a brand, Bento boxes. So they would have like the little compartments to put the food in. And I would make like homemade energy balls and granola bars and all this type of stuff that I would make from them. And I'm just thinking, I'm just doing my thing. And come to find out, my kids were throwing the, the lunch in the trash. And the reason I found this out is because I would get a bill from the school saying, oh yeah, you owe you know, $10 for this week for lunches. And I'm just like, how? Oh, for lunches. And I'm sending lunches because they were tossing a lunch and getting school food because they did not want to eat the the food I was sending to them, sending to school for them. One of my sons said he didn't like that his food didn't look like everybody else's. And the other one just was like, it just wasn't good. So they didn't want it. And so I think it's important to make School lunches familiar and they can still be familiar and vegan, right? Peanut butter and jelly is vegan. You know, Fritos are vegan. Lay's potato chips are vegan. And I would say a perfect example would be, you know, having that sandwich, having some fresh fruit, having some, you know, a fun snack in there for them. You know, having a drink, having it really to be familiar and simple and it can still be vegan. And so I don't do like I did. OK, <laughs> don't do like I did and waste your time and money by sending in some really earthy school lunch that they're not going to eat because no, <laughs> don't do it. But, you know, another thing, though, that my kids did like that I used to send, I would send them like a thermos with soup in it so they I used to like having like a vegetable soup. With their lunch. So that didn't look strange to anybody, but they wouldn't really enjoy that. So, yeah, overall, I just feel like it's really important not to stress yourself and your family out as you're getting started. In fact, I actually recommend that you start working on what this looks like for you and then go ahead and transition your family over. I think that because I'm one of those people that is kind of like I jump into things a lot. I was like, okay, we're going to do this all together. But I think that it would have been a little more, it would have been easier of a transition if I had just started working with myself. And I'm not saying you need to be in the kitchen making multiple meals every night. And if you don't want to cook meat, you don't have to. What I am saying is that It's okay for you to start and then bring everybody else along, or maybe just incorporate vegan snacks and make sure you keep fresh fruit in the house and things like that. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing. My motto is truly progression over perfection always. I just highly recommend it. I just think that you should do your best every single day and figure out what works for your family. It's going to take time. It really is. In fact, I feel like it wasn't until about two years into my journey when everybody was like fully on board. Like they didn't question things. They didn't complain about things. And I know two years sounds like a long time, but you know what? That time is going to pass anyway, right? If you can do whatever you can to make it so that your family is eating more plants overall, that is a great thing. Don't get caught up in the time. Don't get caught up in you know, feeling like it has to be perfect. Don't get caught up in any of those. Just make gradual changes every single day and build on them and I promise you over time it will make a huge, huge difference. So let me go ahead and tell you this though. When we first started this journey, I wanted everybody to be vegan. And then after some time went on, I was just like, maybe I can just set a solid foundation for my kids so they can make decisions for themselves as they get older. And so my 20-year-old son recently moved back home. You know how they're at that age where they in and out, right? He recently moved back home and he's been a vegan at this point for about, I want to say about five months. And I know that it's because of the way that he grew up eating, you know? So it's not, a, of course, a foreign concept for him to eat this way. He was um, so. Of course, now that he's here, it's really easy for him because I cook all. I cook up some food for him, and he loves that. And it's just like kind of like the old days, I guess, in a way. But I guess my point is. You can just work on doing the best you can, give them the information that they need, help them cook and learn and grow, and they will make a decision that works best for them. And even though my other two children aren't vegan, they're very vegan friendly, of course, because they grew up eating this way. And maybe one day they will decide to become vegan. But for now, my oldest son, Jason, is, and he really, really enjoys this lifestyle. And I think it's just important to just put the information out there for your kids and just make it so that they can make a decision for themselves. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope these tips are helpful. I know sometimes, I'll tell y'all, sometimes I don't like to do the solo episodes because I am somebody who can ramble and I'm scattered and I'm all over the place and I just be talking. (laughs) But I really, really hope this information was helpful for you. I definitely wanna do more of this kind of like chatty kind of podcast episode with sharing some experiences and tips and things like that. But You can definitely do this. And not only can you do it, but you can do it with a family. So definitely try to make some changes in your life to make it more plant-filled, right? (laughs) So yeah, if you are new to vegan life, be sure sure to download my free vegan starter kit. It has lots of tips and a a grocery list and videos and things like that on how to start a vegan journey. You can get that at brownveganvip.com. I will be back next week with another episode for you. It's going to be a conversation and yeah. I thank you so much, guys. I really, really appreciate you. And I will talk to you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to make it easy for others to find us. Also, tell a friend. Be sure to share the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Brown Vegan. Thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you next week.